Hello, my name is Jackson McMurray, and I ran out of jokes for intros after two episodes. I'm Adeline McMurray, and I'm full of the brim with goofs. Okay, this is no nerds allowed. (laughs) And this has been throwing Jackson under the bus. (laughs) Say the other happier thing. And no nerds are allowed. That's not what we say. Yes, it is. No, you say, and there are no nerds allowed. And there are no nerds. Isn't that what I said? What did I say? No, you said no. I don't remember. The show's canceled. We can't be brother and sister anymore. Yeah, we have to get a... It's a sectomy. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what's the surgery that would make would be a good goof? And that's <laughs> the, the one I chose. Thanks, brain. <laughs> or love it. All right. You know what time of year <laughs> yeah. it is? Wait, hold on. The other night we were at... Uh, we went to dinner... And Dad just would like would not stop talking about his vasectomy. <laughs> well, because we were, I don't remember what Do we you were even put talking this on a about. Public podcast. <laughs> he wasn't. He was just talking about this. They were talking about being high on drugs, and he was like, "The worst I've ever been high on drugs was when I got my vasectomy because you have to do like that self." You re- you do the anesthesia yourself. It's like self-regulating. Oh, right. But so he was like, afterwards, I was just like in the waiting room, just like talking to everybody that I could talk to. <laughs> <laughs> and then the other guy That's that we were at dinner with was like, yeah, me too. <laughs> okay, now do you know what time of year it is? It's fe- it's February, right? Yeah, it is. It's award season. Oh. Where we tell you which art is good and which art is bad. Yeah, that's right. Are you ready for the season when everybody's mad about every award show all the time? (laughs) When they tell you that Emoji Movie 3 was not art when you thought it was art. (laughs) But here's my my response. We're going to do, right now, live on the air... Uh, the we'll only award show that will please everyone, guaranteed. Are you ready? Yes. Uh, I shouldn't have marketed it like that because it was just going to be me saying my actual opinions when I prepared this. Black Panther wins! But What? Black Panther won <laughs> every won all, award? It won all of them. I had Everybody's no idea happy. that Black Panther was the best movie that's ever been made. <laughs> this year. <laughs> Alright, are you ready? Here are my categories. Here are my yeah. categories for um, the nerdies. Which is what we're calling them. Uh, is that what we're calling our fans? Yeah, this is the first... No, this is, these are the awards. This is the okay. first annual Nerdies Award Ceremony. Okay. All right. Uh, first uh, first award uh, Number is one. Most Surprising Movie, which is the one that I liked the most that I thought I wouldn't like. Do you have any, do you have any nominations? Uh, hold on. What movies came out this year? <laughs> yeah, I don't think you saw a lot of movies. See, I saw 55 movies that came out in the year 2018. Okay, well, hold on. You make a point to see every movie that comes out. That's I just true. watch movies that I want to see, <laughs> and sometimes I don't even see those because I'm bad at making plans and going outside of my house. Well, I'll just say it then. Okay, do it. The nerdy, the nerdy for most surprising movie goes to Blockers. 
It's the one, it's like the sex oh, comedy yeah. with John Cena, and I really liked it, and everyone else was like, this is okay, but I was like, fuck everyone, this is the best movie ever made. Yeah. Um, well, I thought, the shock I was, value was that from the previews, you think it's just going to be the worst thing on the planet. Yeah, no, they very prominently feature the one scene where John Cena chugs beer through his ass. Uh, in the previews. I don't and, remember that yeah, in the no, previews. It definitely is. And okay, you know what? I'm just here to say, though, in the movie, mm-hmm. that was pretty funny. I liked that. <laughs> I thought it was a pretty good joke. Anyway. Did you, did you, did you get a boner? Uh, not right then, because I know how to control myself. <laughs> Later, thinking about it. Exactly. Okay, next award. Most disappointing movie. Movie I was most excited about that ended up sucking ass. It goes this to... One? The Predator. Oh, yeah. You talk about how much you don't like The Predator. Yeah, I hated The Predator. I thought it was bad. I'm gonna... This is taking way mo- longer than I thought it was going to, so I'm gonna go faster now. Okay, cool. Um, Speed run. Uh, most <laughs> overrated shows movie. shows done quick. This is, my, this is my hot take portion. Most overrated okay. movie. Uh, Hereditary? I didn't think it was that good. Keisha will not stop talking about how much yeah, she Keisha hated got, Hereditary. <laughs> our friend Keisha got real fucked up by Hereditary. She did not like Hereditary. Yeah. I don't know. I, it's not that it, she really didn't like it because she just thought it went too far. But I didn't even yeah. think it really went that far, to be honest. The, uh, like the first 45 Mother minutes Krampus. or so. <laughs> don't talk about Mother Krampus. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first 45 minutes or so of Hereditary are super good, and then it's pretty boring. So, that's my Hereditary hot take. Okay. Most <laughs> underrated movie. The nerdy goes mm. to Thoroughbreds, which was this movie with Anya Taylor-Joy and Olivia Cook, and it's about... I didn't even hear about that one. Yeah, it's about two girls uh, who are friends... And they're like horse girls. They train horses. And they move to the big city. No. Um, they decide that they're going to kill their stepdad. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> it's super s- on board with this yeah, movie. <laughs> it's super good. It's a very good movie. And the soundtrack kicks ass. And nobody saw it or ever talked about it. And it was very good. <laughs> no one's um, heard of it. Okay. It here's good, here's my for real awards now. Uh, okay. Best performance. I'm not, doing, I'm not doing the whole gender thing. I'm not into labels. Um, yeah. Best performance by a person. <laughs> On a live person. Make note, Academy. Um, Jeff Academy. Bridges in Bad Times at the El Royale. Nobody's talking... I don't know why... I really like, like Jeff Bridges. Nobody made note of him when this movie came out, but he plays a guy who's like just starting to come down with dementia and is, mm-hmm. like, for the first time in his life, starting to not remember things he should be able to remember. And he plays it so fucking good. Like, did I was Jeff, just totally just blown die? away by his performance. No, not at all. Why was there an, like, in memoriam to Jeff Bridges and all the characters he played? What award show was that? No, that was at the Golden Globes. He won a Lifetime yeah. Achievement Award. Oh, okay. So that's why it was in memoriam. Because I was watching that, and I was like, man, I like Jeff Bridges. And, like, halfway <laughs> through, I was like, wait, is he dead? Why are we doing no, this? No, he's not dead. Jeff Bridges I rules. did watch the Golden Globes. I retained none of it. Except for Carol Burnett just being an absolute treasure. What about when uh, they made a joke about racism and Emma Stone was like, I'm sorry. Oh, that's right, because she did the... Yeah, because <laughs> she's the problem. <laughs> um, anyway, that was my best performance. Uh, best soundtrack was Spider-Man. Oh, absolutely. Spider-Man into the Interverse. Into the Interverse. Into the Interverse. Yeah, into the other verses. 
Dude, no, seriously, and I went and saw that with my friend Katie, and then mm-hmm. after, she, that was her second time watching it, but she immediately went home and was just, like, live-tweeting the soundtrack to me, and she was like, you know how the, you know, I'm, he's not the Black Panther, the purple guy. Oh, Prowler. Prowler, that's right. There was like, you know how the Prowler music is terrifying in the movie? It's also terrifying when you just <laughs> listen to it. Yeah. No, um, the... And that's and my last one is Best Picture is also Spider-Man. It was the best movie. It's also year. Spider-Man Into the Universe because yeah. it's the best It's the best movie. Um, it won all the awards. See, my <laughs> award show is just that Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse won all the awards. Right. Uh, best Performance is John Mulaney's Spider-Ham. Is um, <laughs> and then um, here are my nerdies honorable mentions that are like other movies that I super like that weren't the best at a particular thing. Uh, yeah. Infinity War, 8th uh, grade. Also good. Uh, eighth grade. Oh, can we do one about Infinity War once everybody's seen it, and so we're not spoiling everything for everyone? I think we're past that point already. I mean, I feel like we are, but then I was with my we, me, and my friends were hanging out the other day. We were watching Boss Baby, which isn't an important detail, but <laughs> Wait, we were don't like, "Don't spoil Boss Baby for I me." I know. Okay, don't get me started on <laughs> Boss Baby. We may have to do one about Boss Baby because I, I just have opinions. That. Oh God, Alec Baldwin. Okay, anyway, <laughs> and we were like. It was like, we were just making a joke, and Ian was like, can I make an Infinity War joke during Boss Baby? Don't worry about it. And Katie was like, no, I haven't seen it yet. And we were all like, what? How could you, have you just, like, not been on the internet for yeah, a whole year? Yeah, and it's year? on Netflix now. Nobody yeah, has no any excuses. excuse. Uh, anyway, next honorable mention, 8th grade. Uh, you really want me to see 8th grade. And I I'm really sure want you to see 8th grade. I really it. want everybody to see 8th grade, because it's really awesome. fucking good. I really love the actress in it. I think she's super cool. Because as soon as she was in eighth grade, she just immediately went on a press tour. But I could tell it was just a press tour of all the things that she liked. Right. Because she went on My Brother, My Brother, and Me, and she went on mm. Game Grumps, which I think is what <laughs> I want to do with my life. So, yeah. like, she's my hero. Uh, next one, I got four. Next one, uh, Mission Impossible Fallout. You really like that one? Yeah. It's the most... You really want, you really want a shirt? Yeah, no, that was the other movie. That was the other Fallout movie. Did we talk about Not that Fallout. on the podcast already? That you want the shirt from yeah. uh, the Mission Impossible, the other one? So we don't have Three? any viewership as of right now, but someday no. we might, and I'm going to make this a running gag starting now, um, which is that uh, Tom Cruise wears this really good shirt in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Uh, it's like a red snakeskin print shirt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wears it for, like, a bunch of the movie, and I want that shirt very badly. You and do. I, I do not want uh, the same kind of shirt as that. That's not what I want. I want the shirt that Tom Cruise was wearing <laughs> in Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. I guarantee you that he stole it from the set. I Well, I can't imagine that there wasn't more than one, because he wears it in many, many scenes. That's and true. And it goes through various states of being all shredded up. So there, I can't imagine there was only one of them. And well, that movie someday, was shot live, so I don't know what yeah. you're talking about. <laughs> some, someday down the road, I hope that some of our listeners can pull some strings in the movie prop world um, and get me that shirt. What? Don't worry about it. Okay, fine. I'll just hear it when I'm editing and make it a whole That's, big thing. <laughs> it wasn't post. funny. Don't okay. worry about it. Um, and then my last If you ever mention, ask me to repeat something and I don't, it's because it wasn't funny. <laughs> it's not because I'm embarrassed or doing Illuminati secrets. Okay, this is going on for too long, so I'm going to say my last yeah. one. Uh, the Favorite, which 
is like Wait. I know everybody is like this is the best movie of the year. Uh, it's because it's very good, and like it's the one movie that's actually really good that's getting a whole bunch of nominations this year, Remind which I appreciate. Me which one the favorite is? It's like a it's like a boring period drama with Emma Stone. That's right. I keep yeah. getting advertisements on it on Tumblr for some right. reason. Right. It's super fucking good though. Basically, yeah. to me, what it is is it's like it's all the things that I like about The Godfather. But it's less than three hours long, and it, <laughs> it's, it's actually interesting to watch. Yes, I like uh, The Godfather. You did not like yeah, The Godfather. Yeah, I don't like The Godfather. I'm sorry. Uh, but to yeah, be fair, the favorite... I haven't seen part two, but yeah. Yeah, I hope to never see part two because that is like so much time to take out of my life for a single film. Uh, anyway, though, the favorite is very good in the sense that it's like a boring period drama, but it's not boring at all. They actually find ways to make it interesting. Um, and th- this is just a personal beef, but there's like this trend of taking boring period dramas and trying to make them more interesting by just adding like full frontal nudity to them. Yeah. That doesn't make it more interesting. That it just, just makes, makes it harder to watch with your parents. Yeah. Which is, like, the opposite of what you should be doing with boring period dramas. The reason we have boring period dramas is, is so you parents. have something to see with your extended family on Thanksgiving. Um, but if you add a bunch of full frontal nudity to them, then you can't do that anymore. So who? what's the point anymore? Yeah, who is this for? It's... <laughs> The, there is the, the target pro- audience of boring period dramas is people's moms, and people's yeah. <laughs> moms don't want full frontal nudity, and especially if the movie's still boring. Besides that, I'm sorry, I have a lot of beef with yeah. period movies. Remember in The Godfather, where that Italian girl shows you shows the camera her boobs and then immediately explodes in the next scene? <laughs> yes. What the fuck is up with that whole sequence? <laughs> Like it's him they, going undercover in Italy and then I, not being undercover in Italy and going home. Yeah, he goes to Italy, has yes. the weirdest interaction with another human being I've ever seen it's with so this girl. Weird. Then they fuck and then she explodes and then he comes <laughs> and back then to he America. Goes home yes. and interacts with his girlfriend again. And people say this is the number one best movie in history. I, okay, I unrelated, unrelated, it. that girl's nipples are really weird. I, <laughs> Mostly because she doesn't have any. I don't even remember. I'm going to look up it's a picture. It's weird. <laughs> Go on incognito mode. The, no, it's okay. Godfather nipples. The Godfather nipple scene. <laughs> um. Maybe it's just like the lighting. I remember it being super weird. None of these are it. The internet <laughs> is censoring you. Uh, let's see. Do I have safe search on? <laughs> what are you, some kind of noob? I don't know. <clears throat> Whatever. I'll just I'll just find it on Netflix it. later. Yeah. I'll get back to you. <laughs> it's gonna go with the Netflix like I forget what it's called. Their algorithms are gonna be like somebody <laughs> went to this scene in The Godfather. <laughs> By the way, um, this interest going on for a very long time, but I have another funny story I want to tell. Yes. Uh, on, I was on our YouTube channel, our No Nerds Allowed profile. Yeah. And, like, on my phone, and when I was, like, putting it into my pocket, I clicked on, like, some college humor, like, sketch. Yeah. Just, like, by mistake, and it came up. 
uh, and it was like the six, yeah, it was like the six girls you'll date in high school or something like that. Um, and then from then on, whenever, because I don't watch anything on this channel, I just do it like you know, yeah. I just use it to put stuff up. So the only information it has about me on that channel is that I watched that one video. <laughs> so now whenever I'm on there, the only thing that it recommends to me are uh, comedy sketches with giant boobs in the thumbnail. Great. <laughs> and it's the worst you thing in the world. You ruined our brand. <laughs> I don't think... Can people see the videos you've watched on a profile? I don't think so. I don't think so either. I hope not. Unless that you, they can see like the channels that you've liked. So unless you're like, right. I love college humor. <laughs> I don't think yeah. I did that. If I did, it was <laughs> I also by mistake. But... What was I going to say? Oh, the YouTube algorithms are so bad because it doesn't show you videos related to the video you're watching. It's related to your search history. So, right. like, I'll watch a video about something and I'll want more things like that. And it just keeps recommending me Try Guy videos because I've been watching the Try Guys a lot lately. And it's <laughs> yeah. like, I like the Try Guys, but I'm looking for something but... else right now, YouTube. Stop giving me Nazi something... propaganda. God damn it. So yeah, so like if you've been watching something super embarrassing on YouTube, and then you try to show your friends something later, and all your recommended are like, I don't know, Nazi propaganda is a good example. Animated music videos. Yeah. (laughs) It was for a meme, I swear. (laughs) Do we want to talk about the movie that we're watching? Yeah, sure. So I got to pick our movie uh, this week, and you made me watch this. You seem very upset about this movie. We chose uh, Jurassic World <laughs> colon Fallen Kingdom. This movie was so stupid. <laughs> Which, to be honest, when I was putting together my nerdies, was something I considered for most surprising movie. I thought it was going to totally suck ass, but it, I what? I actually kind of I kind of dig it. What? <laughs> okay. So okay, here's here's the my one where the statement. first line of this goddamn movie is anything in here would be dead by now and then they get eaten by a dinosaur right and you're okay. telling me yeah so okay here's my mission statement about this movie okay. uh, no Jurassic Park sequel has ever been anything close to even a little bit similar to Jurassic Park like tonally or quality wise or anything like that however um just on its own I think Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, the second one, I hate the first one. The second well, the first one has one's just nothing. Yeah. The the second one has like I don't know, it's just like a really good like family blockbuster action movie. I think it's got a lot of great action bits. I think it's a really pretty movie. And there's a lot of really smart things about it, I think. It's just that the script sucks ass. Oh, the script is hot garbage. Yeah, no, the, the script is the worst is thing in the world. The plot is also hot garbage. Uh, but, but that's the thing about it, is, like, it's a horrible script, but it's, like, a super well-directed horrible script. Um, I've seen it three times now, I think. I saw it the first time, like, in theaters, and then I saw it with some friends, I think. And I saw it this time that I just watched it for this podcast. And every time, I, I've liked it more and more. Like, this movie is, is growing on me in a way. So my main opinion about this movie is that it's like, they expect that you haven't watched 
any other Jurassic Park movie, <laughs> and you're relying on this movie to explain to you what a Jurassic Park movie is like. <laughs> right. Because they literally do everything that happens in every single Jurassic Park movie. Yeah, that's true. It's very much we true. We think there is no danger, and then we get eaten by a dinosaur. We trust this weird faceless military group and then surprise surprise <laughs> that group betrays you which happens yep. in literally every single Jurassic Park movie not in the we first one there's kid. no military guys well you have the jackass whatever his name was what you mean the lawyer guy from Seinfeld oh yeah I guess that's true but he wasn't well, yeah, a you military have some, guy. Well, you have a character that you trust, and then it's like, oh, they're betraying He was for just profit. an employee in Jurassic Park who was bought out by But he's by betraying them for profit. Like, the military enterprise. factor yeah. comes in later, but, like, the original is still there. And then you have a cute kid, but that cute kid's never going to be as genuine or as cute as the original two cute kids. Right, true, true, true. Like, and the little girl in this movie is just a fucking clone? And, but they <laughs> yeah. don't explain Hold it. On, they just tell you that she's a clone, and then they move on, and they don't explain <laughs> shit. And hold then on, they, hold and on, then hold wait, on. And then there's Iris, and it's like Iris is the mom? Question mark is another clone. Who the fuck is Iris, and why does she look exactly like the clone girl's mom? What's happening? What you mean, like the servant? Yeah. She looks I, I, exactly like the mom, but she's older. I think that's just a coincidence. I think she's just Well, that's just a stupid coincidence, because I have no idea how like, this girl's a clone, or who she's a clone of, or what the what do you, fuck. Okay, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on. I I want to wait until we get there, but I'm confused why you're so confused about this. Okay, well, she's a clone of the daughter that died in the car right, accident. Right, yes. But what confuses me about... Okay, I guess Iris is just the thing that confuses me. Because she looks at the picture, and she sees her that picture of her mom and her, which, what? That doesn't make any sense. And then, wait, there's that picture that she pulls out when her grandpa dies, and it's like his book of pictures, and it's a picture of her and her mom. And Iris looks like the mom, and she looks like the little girl. So it's Iris, her grandma, and then she's a clone of the little girl? I literally cannot remember what you're talking about. I feel like you're yeah. reading into it a little I bit too much, I watched this though. movie like ten minutes ago, and I feel and it like made you're also stupid it is. more upset than you should be about the fact that one of the other actors looks kind of like another one of the actors well, in the movie. When it feels like it should be... When you're talking about clones, <laughs> you can't have another character that looks like another character, because then I'm going to get them confused, especially when you're talking about Adeline, cloning. Adeline, one of them is like ten, and the other one is like eighty. No, I don't think they're the same character. I'm not an idiot. I'm saying if there's one's a clone of the other, I don't understand who the little girl's a clone of and how Iris plays into it. The little girl is a clone of the guy's dead daughter. Yes. And Iris doesn't play into it. She absolutely does fight because there's that whole scene. He's that she discovers that while he's talking to Iris, and Iris is like, "You don't understand how important she is to me." And then she never shows up ever again. Like, it's weird. Iris absolutely does have something to do with it. We can okay, move whatever. on, though, because I can tell that you don't like me. <laughs> okay, just, yeah, let's start from the beginning like we always do in every episode whatever. of this whole podcast. Listen, this movie's bad. Uh, the first thing I've written down, like, the very opening scene, I don't care about at all. Like, it, it, There's it's only so many cool nothing. things you can do with a T-Rex. And yeah. we've done all of them. Um, but the title card kicks ass, though. The ti- Oh, the title animation is so bad. It looks like it's a 2008 video game opening. 
I, I, I thought the okay. animation was so gross and weird. You mean when the lava was coming through and it was like yeah, Jurassic I thought World. it was. I looked. I thought it looked terrible. It looked like that dinosaur movie that you used to watch when you were little, the VHS tape. Walking with dinosaurs. Yeah, that's what it looked like. It was this weird. I don't know. The lava looked so bad. It looked like a video game, like a PS One video game opening. Okay. Well. Okay. So. But here, so here's what I like about this movie. Like right at the beginning, is like yeah. this premise is a really smart and interesting premise. Yeah. Like, the dinosaurs are all going to die, and there's a whole national conversation about whether or not the dinosaurs deserve the same, like, protections that endangered species do. Should we be working to keep these dinosaurs alive, or should we let them die out? Um, but it does a weird thing in the sense that it puts... Um, who they must understand is, like, the most beloved character in the whole franchise. Otherwise, he wouldn't be here. Uh, they put him on a very specific side of this issue, um, and then yeah. they put all of our protagonists on the exact <laughs> opposite side. Yeah, they do kind of like, throw Jeff Goldblum under the bus. <laughs> yeah, well, and that's the thing, is, like, this movie wants to be a really nuanced story very badly, but at the same time, it wants to be a schlocky family action blockbuster. Yeah. Uh, and it can't really have it both ways. Because it sets up this, like, complicated moral issue, uh, and then it tells you which one is right. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and you just go through the whole thing. Like, there's another version of this script in the universe, I feel like, where... <laughs> there has to be. Yeah, where the, like, the villain, quote-unquote, is a lot more sympathetic, and it's more of a real ideological struggle... And it's, like, a good movie. <laughs> Rather uh, than, I'm an angry capitalist and I yeah, want money. Exactly. Precisely. And it's, like, I don't know. It's just such a weird decision to me to, like, take the entire sentiment of the original beloved movie. Which, you know, the moral of that story very much is, like, this is a crime against God and... Yeah. Uh, what's his name? The old guy. Yeah, John Hammond. John Hammond. Uh, John Hammond was wrong, and this should never have happened because it's dangerous and it goes against the natural order of things. That's yeah. very much the the stance that Jurassic Park takes by the end of the movie. And it's a little bit more nuanced than that because they experience and they see some incredible things and they learn new things about dinosaurs, but at what cost, you know? Um, mm -hmm. And then in this movie, they remind you of that. And then do something totally different the whole rest <laughs> and then of the ignore, time. And then yeah, move on. which is such a weird decision to me. Um, okay, wait, two things. Okay. First of all, this would be a very cool political conversation to have in real life. If this was yeah, a real sure. scenario shaking out, this would be a really interesting conversation. But the way they paint it so one-sidedly and with the most annoying characters possible being yeah, the, the activists. Yeah, the characters are so annoying. All of the okay. activist characters are terrible. The lady who says that she's a dinosaur veterinarian but has never seen a dinosaur and she's mad at anyone who points it out. It's like, if you are a regular <laughs> veterinarian and you've never seen a dog before, you're not a veterinarian. I don't care that you're the liberal goddess in this movie. You're an yeah. idiot. That girl in the yellow shirt is so mean to every single person. And I and always hated her. And we're supposed to think she's cool because of it. Yeah. No, I always hated her every time I've seen it. And this time when I was thinking about it, I tried to keep track and see if she says a single nice thing to another human person. Um, she And does the not. closest that she came was asking somebody to do something for her 
in because a way where she didn't directly a insult female her. Female character is a yeah. bitch, and we're supposed to love her for it. That's so you thing. know, did you like, ever see? Oh, sorry, go ahead. This is literally when Griffin McElroy gets on his soapbox about how millennials are portrayed in media. Like, that's how I <laughs> felt this whole movie. I felt like a chimpanzee who wanted to murder someone. Like, I went ape in my mouth. Like, I just, I hated everything that was happening. Like, I could tell that these people had, like, never talked to a millennial. And they're, like, this weird portrayal. Like, all these activist liberal characters are all supposed to be, like, the heroes. But they're so annoying and terribly yeah. written. Well, and that's the uh, thing. Uh, did you ever see... I don't remember what it was called. But the Bad Pirates of the Caribbean movie with Javier Bardem that came out last year? No. Okay. So they play... The whole, like, young woman character is, like... It's like imagine Belle in the Beauty and the Beast movie, but turn it up so to like, like twenty. 11. Yeah, uh, yeah. In terms of like annoying feminism, um, and they play it as super annoying in the movie. Like they play her as like everybody doesn't like her, and you just wish she would shut up because she's so annoying all the time. But and she's a like, strong female girl. Yeah, exactly. And it's not like they're trying to say that's what they're doing. It's more like. We want to do something that lines up with what we think the, like, modern ethos about feminism is. And it's this, like, bitchy, annoying protagonist. Yeah, do you remember... And it's like, in, you're do not you doing a good job. If we like feminism, but if every feminist character you write is the worst... Yeah, it makes us not... It makes people not like feminism. Do you remember in this movie... Where he's like, we need a blood sample. And she's like, get your own damn blood sample. And he's like, wow, what a nasty woman. I wanted to punch the yeah. TV. This is the most heavy-handed, like, politically correct nonsense. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I feel and like it, a my wild favorite, chimpanzee. My favorite is when she's like, I'm going to go out there with you. And he's like, you can't go out there. You're a civilian or whatever he says. And she's like, um, I'm the only one who knows what I'm talking about. And then she, completely unarmed, wearing a t-shirt with short sleeves, just fucking walks out into dinosaur land. Yeah, no, literally, the, the dinosaur walks up, and she's like, I'm getting out of the car. And I, in that moment, I wanted her to be eaten by a T-Rex, more than I've ever wanted any villain in a Jurassic Park movie to be eaten by a T-Rex. That said, um, Justice Smith, the other kid from Detective Pikachu... Yeah. Very funny. I like him a he, lot. He writes a line. He's on that same kind of, like, he's that same kind of millennial character. It's like, oh, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know why he's here. But, like, he's unlikable enough that after you're introduced to him, then he's fine. Like, you have to warm up to him. Right. But initially, her and Tim were grouped into that same bubble for me, where it's like, yeah. I hate both of you, you are so annoying. <laughs> and I love that first moment, because, you know, obviously, the girl in the yellow shirt is like, we're supposed to like her, we're supposed to think that she's funny and admire her for, like, saying what everybody's Yelling thinking or whatever. Um, but the first scene we have her in, uh, she <laughs> says something really mean to Justice Smith, and he's like... Please don't say things like that to me. It really hurts my feelings. And then she says something else mean to him. And that's no, the end of the scene. No, he's literally like, can you stop saying mean things to me every time you're mad at someone? And she's like, fuck you. It's just like... the. <laughs> 
it's just so funny that she's just like straight up like creating a hostile work environment for this I poor know. kid. <laughs> like this needs we need HR stat. <laughs> this is a microaggression. <laughs> okay, um, the next thing I bring that that scene this might be a little bit later. That scene where uh redhead lady it yeah. took me forever to re- figure out if this was the same female protagonist as the first movie. Because I just was like, is this the same girl? They're both redheads. I feel like they are the same character. Do you mean the first Jurassic World, or do you mean the first Jurassic Park? The first Jurassic World. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, it is. It took me a minute, and I don't know why I can't play- It's because she's a completely different character in this yeah, movie. Yeah, for sure. So I was like, it, it looks like the same girl, but it's like, <laughs> not? Yeah. And then and it the- was her, so whatever. Right. And that's the weird- She's a weird actress in the sense that, like, she had a very uneventful career until she mm-hmm. got- Jurassic Park, uh, and then she continued to have a very uneventful career. It's <laughs> like yeah, the only like thing that she's ever done. Like, most of the time when an actress like that lands, like, a huge blockbuster role, they're, like, in other things, and people start to yeah. kind of know who they are. Uh, literally, the only other thing that I know her from is when she played Gwen Stacy in Spider-Man 3. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Oh, she did. Yeah, remember that? That was the best. Yeah. Anyway, in this movie where she gets invited over to the mansion and they're just like blasting exposition at yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. The exposition that doesn't matter later. You just have mm-hmm. to know that they're lying in that scene. Right. It's just like, I literally wrote down, they're telling me so much exposition and I'm retaining none of it. <laughs> All I wrote down was that the script sucked. Like, <laughs> you just did a t shirt can of exposition at me and I didn't catch the t shirt. Like, right. I don't know. <laughs> okay, to be honest though. I sort of appreciate that they're kind of upfront about it, though, because this movie, where this movie really does well is that I think it's really well paced. I think they give you enough action right when you need it to keep you engaged in it and just fucking getting it out of the way as quickly as possible in the beginning. It's a bad scene, but then it's over with and you don't have to deal with it anymore. I, I, it's kind of like the... When you make a joke about a social, about the, like, it's like, I think a good example of this is in Monster Prom, which is a video game, where they're like, haha, there's no body types in this game, haha, we're politically correct. And it's like, it's not funny unless you fix it. Like, I feel the same way about this. You can't be like, oh, we wrote a bad script, moving on. It's like, oh, you can't address it if you're not fixing it. (laughs) Like, I don't care if they handle it well, you still have a bad script. Wait, sorry, I'm a little bit confused. Do you? I, I'm not saying that they acknowledge the fact that it's an exposition blast. I'm just saying okay. that, like, yeah. So I didn't mean to say that they're like doing a tongue-in-cheek thing. I just mean to say okay. like the script writers sort of like understand that any exposition in the rest of this movie is going to grind it to a halt immediately. So they're okay. like, let's just grind it to a halt for a let's second. Let's just demolish one time. this one scene. Yeah, and then we could just move on from there. Um, okay, okay. I see what you're saying. So I don't like the original Jurassic World very much at all. But I think the one thing that they do super, super well is that they maintain a good level of scariness for the raptors. Um, the way that Chris yeah. Pratt, like, interacts with them is, like, really, really tense. It's partially Chris Pratt's performance and the way he interacts with them, but it's, like, even when these raptors are, like 
have been trained since birth to be as docile as possible, it's still hugely dangerous. And they attack him pretty frequently, and he has ways of dealing with it, but they're still like animals and hugely dangerous, uh, which I thought was great. I thought that was an awesome dynamic. Um, Well, the crux of the whole Jurassic series is the fact that raptors are scary. Like, that's the whole thing in the first one, Mm -hmm. is that raptors are super scary, and they hunt in this really specific scary way. Like, raptors are scary. So moving forward, raptors have to be scary. Yeah. And they do that with regular raptors, and then they also kind of just went also here's a raptor on cocaine that's scary right <laughs> yeah but the original <laughs> raptors are also scary as well yeah. no and uh, that's the thing in this movie i don't think they handle the raptors quite as well they start no. off a little bit scary like that scene where he's talking to blue yeah uh and he's like trying to get it to calm down but then they have that like weird little shootout i think that works the rest of the movie though they get a little too people <laughs> Blue they start doesn't to do like, anything in this movie except jump on top of another dinosaur yeah. no, in the last the second. One... And she does it like four times, right. and that's all she does. That's the Jurassic Park trope that I'm getting sick of, is another dinosaur jumping out of nowhere to eat a smaller dinosaur. Literally, in this movie, two times, a T-Rex chomps on another dinosaur and then roars. Yeah, which no, is it's the that most, homage to that <laughs> shot in the original the one. I always say that. basic Jurassic thing on the planet and they, yeah. do, it <laughs> they do it twice in, in the this movie. movie by itself. I, <laughs> 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 um, okay, so another... This movie is so full of things that are, like, at first I think really smart and, like, a really interesting thing to do. And they just can't follow through with them. Like, yeah. the way that Chris Pratt feels at that very first scene where Bryce Dallas Howard, the girl, um, when she, like, approaches him, I think the way that he reacts is a really smart and really plausible, like, stance for that character to be in, you know? He's mm-hmm. kind of like, fuck these raptors, you know? Like, of course I loved them and trained them, but it's, you know, not it's not worth it. Um, which I think is totally great. And then he changes his mind for absolutely no reason. Uh, it's because he's in love with her. Okay, why is it that literally <laughs> in every single movie, in between the original and the sequel, the couple breaks up, and then the second movie they get back together again? I'm so tired of it. I've seen this 12 million times. Do they literally, get back together think- explicitly? Yes, that's it. At the end, they're driving away in the car into the sunset with the little oh, girl right. in the back. They're so explicitly together <laughs> again, and I just wanted to vomit. <laughs> Okay, um, the... What do I have next? Uh, okay, the sequence where the girl in the yellow shirt gets out to look at the brontosaurus... Uh, oh my god, I wanted her to die so bad. <laughs> well, I it's not even because it's her. On. It's just because they're obviously trying to call to mind the scene from the original Jurassic Park where they look at the brontosauruses. Which yeah. is, like, one of... Genuinely, I think, one of the greatest scenes in, like, cinema history. It's yeah. so affecting and so wonderful to be able to experience this through these characters, and they do so much legwork earlier in the movie to make sure that this moment has maximum effect on the viewer, and it works so well. Um, and they do this, like, homage to it in this movie, where it's just like, check out that dinosaur, and they walk outside, and they're like, wow. And every single person and like in the it. audience... 
is like, don't get out of the car on <laughs> Dinosaur Island. And it's also like, we've been seeing dinosaurs this whole fucking movie. Like, yeah. they're not no. coy about showing us the dinosaurs. I don't know why we're supposed yeah. to care about this singular brontosaurus that's hanging yeah, okay. out. First of all, it's because this isn't the first Jurassic Park movie. This isn't our first rodeo. We know what the plot is. We know what's going to happen. We know a T-Rex is going to eat another dinosaur and then roar. We know. We all know. (laughs) But, like, even if we we already know that this is a Jurassic Park movie, in the first Jurassic Park, you don't see the dinosaurs, like, halfway through the movie, and that makes the dinosaurs important. Yeah, for sure. In this movie, literally, first scene, like, two minutes in, they're like, here's a T-Rex, Here's the big water dinosaur that everybody thought was cool. I'm moving on. It's like right. the dinosaurs like don't mean anything. At this point, mm-hmm. they're just like animal pets. And that's like part of the plot, but also just like they're not interesting anymore. Right. And that's part of what I was saying at the very beginning, which is that like, of course, this movie is not even comparable to the original Jurassic Park. Uh, because for some reason, everybody making Jurassic Park movies after the original just, like, super doesn't understand Jurassic Park. Yeah, like, did uh, watch it, I guess? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. know. It's like, it's not even that. It's like, presumably, if you're being hired to do a Jurassic, a sequel to a movie, like, you should be familiar with it, like, on a ba- most basic level, what made that movie good. Yeah. And every single Jurassic Park sequel just straight up doesn't do a single one of those things. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know, how can you be a professional, creative person and just fuck it up so bad? Like, I just don't understand it. Yeah, this Um, movie... The next thing I've written down is, is that this movie, for some reason makes the assumption that you've never seen any other Jurassic Park movie. Right. But at the same time, are constantly making homages to the other Jurassic Park movies. It's like, they assume I haven't seen any other Jurassic Park movie, or maybe any other movie ever, because <laughs> as soon as we got on the island and all these guys dressed in gray, or dressed in tan with guns showed up, I was like, oh, they're the bad guys, they're going to betray us. <laughs> and then, two minutes later, they were the bad guys and they betrayed us. Like, yeah. I don't know. It just, well, like, thinks know. the they audience didn't... is stupid or something. Right. But see, the thing about that is because these movies are... I'm not trying to say that there are not passionate, creative people involved in it, but at their heart, these are money-making vehicles. Yeah, these are cash grabs. Um, It's an artistic cash cash grab. In the same way that every Avengers movie is a money-making vehicle, but there's there's different ways to handle it, and this movie chooses to handle it in the sense, like, they want to make it as accessible as possible to every possible demographic. Because they want as many people as humanly possible to mm-hmm. come see the movie. Jurassic World was one of the biggest like financial successes in movie mm-hmm. history. Uh, so they felt like they had to follow it up with something that they could really make sure they could get the butts in seats for, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think part of that manifests itself in the fact that they, they really hold your hand <laughs> in this. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, uh the what? sorry okay, one what moment could, okay. the oh shoot there was something i wanted to say what part are we at right now uh we're kind of we're like they just got on the island right so okay uh, to me the biggest possible selling point for this whole movie is the entire volcano sequence oh like, yeah everything in that like 20 minute chunk of movie 
to me, just like kicks ass. I think it's so cool. It's like pretty and exciting, and they have like multiple action beats that play off of each other really well. Yeah. And you've got like the goofy thing of Chris Pratt like rolling out of the way of the lava, and the stampede of dinosaurs coming down the mountain. Yeah. And, like to me, that's like almost a perfect blockbuster action sequence. Like it's so cool, yeah. and it's got like even some emotional punch to it as well at the end when the brontosaurus gets like overtaken by the ash i like yeah maybe it's just goodwill for that sequence that makes me like the movie as a whole so much but like i truly think that's like some of the most exciting things Mm -hmm. i've seen in a movie this year well going back a little bit i think what took this whole argument about treating dinosaurs like animals like out of reality for me was that the characters in the movie believe that but i do not think that the movie itself believes that because we literally start the movie with a man getting murdered by a Mm t-rex and then in the literally two minutes later we're supposed to feel pathos for all of these animals right and it's like if you want to have that conversation that's great but this movie and this movie series has literally only been telling me that dinosaurs are big, scary monsters, and when they're around, you should be scared and fear for your life, and that they're right. the villains of the story. And that's so the really, thing. So to, like, suddenly put pathos into this story doesn't work, because you've already told me that there's no room for pathos, because if you have pathos, you're going to get eaten by a T-Rex. It, well, and that's the thing. That's sort of what I was saying at the beginning with the Jeff Goldblum stuff, is that, like, yeah. I think that there's... a maybe the first draft of this movie was, like, a really nuanced morality play. Yeah. Like, I think they probably played more with the idea that just because dinosaurs are dangerous doesn't mean that their life doesn't have value. And, like, all these questions about whether, you know... This is all speculation, obviously. But it feels like that's in the DNA of the script, you know? This, like, complicated moral argument. And I just, I, I can't help but feel like as they moved through the drafts, it turned more and more into dinosaur bad. <laughs> like, <laughs> we'll eat you. I would love to believe you that that's true, but I also think it's just you projecting a little bit because you want to really like this movie. <laughs> well, I also just believe that people who people are professional story... T- yeah, because here's the thing. I am in year two, year one basically of a film program and i i know what makes a good story you know mm-hmm. i understand what works and what doesn't and not that i'm saying i could make the best movie ever but what i'm saying is almost everything in this movie if it were entirely up to me i would look at and i would say this doesn't work yeah uh, somebody who's one year not even a full year into a film program yeah. Uh, so the, these I professionals should yeah, know. Yeah, exactly. These people have presumably been through multiple years of film schooling and have had practical experience making movies for many years. I can't believe that they would look at that and just be like, "Tight, yeah, this rules." <laughs> yeah, we did good. Yeah, let's I can learn, only let's imagine on the third one. is born of compromises and small changes having ripple effects that they didn't quite intend, and all sorts of things. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I guess I just... I, it's hard for me to believe that filmmakers are just incompetent. Because it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. What's the next thing? Oh, I'm super confused about the dinosaurs. Okay. Be- <laughs> what? Because when they first get to the island, he's like, Oh, the T-Rex is dead by now, right? 
Like, they keep talking about how all of the dinosaurs are dead, except for these few, but why are only these few alive? Why right. are only some of them alive? And then all of them die, and then only these ones are alive? It, it's just, like, weird. Like, they kind of tell you things, but don't really tell you things. They're mm-hmm. like, oh... Especially when the crew goes there to get the bone sample, and they're like, anything that's here has been dead for a long time, and then there are still dinosaurs running around. It's like, why did you think they were dead in the first place? Why did you think that? Yeah, that's definitely true. All that stuff kind of went in one ear and out the other to me. Like, as soon as we started seeing dinosaurs, I totally forgot that they said all that stuff. But you're totally right. Like, they seem like everybody thinks that all the dinosaurs are dead for some reason. But at the same time, they're having a conversation about them all dying in the eruption. So it's like they're trying to have both. They're double-thinking us. They're like... They're all dead, but they're all gonna die. <laughs> well, hold on. The the crew at the beginning didn't know that the volcano was gonna explode, did they? I, I think. Th- well, that's why they were getting the sample because they knew the volcano. Okay, but was the sample explode. would be destroyed regardless of whether there are alive animals. Yeah. So they're just trying to get the sample, and they're like, "Oh shit, there's still dinosaurs here." You got yeah, beat. I win, Adeline. But why would they fucking Checkmate. know there are dinosaurs there? They're on a helicopter above Dinosaur Island. <laughs> they would see dinosaurs. Yeah, there's absolutely no reason they couldn't have, like, hey, look, blown a drone a over it. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh and <laughs> one of the things that just makes me laugh in this movie is there's a lot of moments where people take dramatic pauses to be afraid of dinosaurs before taking yeah. action. Just to, mm-hmm. like, increase oh, the drama. Oh, every single Jurassic movie. That, that cracks me up. That makes me laugh. Um... <laughs> and <laughs> okay, wait, know, I'm just gonna go back again to how much I love the whole volcano sequence. I think it's so cool. It's very cool. Except, okay, so when they're in the bunker and they open up that door to the rest of the park and then the lava cups are through the ceiling and there's a dinosaur. That seems really cool. Where there's like the bunkers yeah. filling up with lava and the dinosaurs trying to get them. That seems really cool. Except of the reality of these basic dinosaur huggers. Locking this dinosaur in a room that's filling <laughs> up with lava, and then turning around and going, "All dinosaurs are queens and deserve to live." <laughs> Let me lock this dinosaur in a room full of lava. See you later. <laughs> I mean, it was gonna die anyway. <laughs> okay. Also, my favorite line reading in this whole movie is where they wake up on the beach afterwards and the girl goes he was all a lie those bastards he was all a lie i know literally that i said to my tv time. in a room by myself i said yeah i've seen a fucking jurassic park movie no <laughs> duh <laughs> oh my gosh uh, see that's <laughs> see i think after that scene what was the moment I started locking the guy? I think I liked the guy as soon as he started being the hacker. I was a little bit like, okay, your only character of color is the is the hacker guy, and he's, like, quirky and a nerd. It was kind of a stereotype, but that's when I started to like him. Uh, but, yeah, like... I'm trying to think if he even makes any jokes in the office before we see before we, he, like, gets to the island. Well, he has the please stop bullying me. Yeah, but that scene. wasn't a joke. That was him just being sad. Yeah, and that being was bullied. just harassment. <laughs> yeah. Once you started being like a fun character, then you start to like him. Yeah. But it's because the girl never became a fun character. No, yeah. The girl just fucking sucks. Uh, she just doesn't get redeemed. I okay, really liked um, Captain Stottlemyre's weird character quirk of pulling dinosaur teeth. Yeah, what? Just like and casually then he with one dies arm. for it? 
I literally um, wrote down in the scene where he dies, I was like, why does he pull out teeth? <laughs> Just because he's an asshole, question yeah, mark? because he's like, the bad guy. I, yeah, well, then he dies, so who he cares? He takes joy in killing dinosaurs. And Yeah. Uh, sorry, I drank a Dr. Pepper and now I'm burpee. Give me a second. Yeah. Okay, uh, hold on. I have two more things. So there's that scene where right after that volcano scene and they get on the boat and he's, like, talking to the Donald Trump capitalist character. Right. And he's like, I don't deal with amateurs. I'm going to call off the deal. It's like, you're an idiot? These are the only (laughs) dinosaurs in the world, and they're late? So you're going to be like, it's not (laughs) worth it. See you later. And that's the thing I have written down here is, what are you selling that's more expensive than dinosaurs on a Tuesday? the last dinosaurs on the planet. (laughs) Okay, and then... And after that scene, he's like, we'll genetically modify them. And I literally wrote down, yeah, let's keep making monsters. I bet it won't go bad this time. <laughs> like, I swear to God, as soon as you, like, as soon as they make another <laughs> Jurassic Park movie and you sit down for it, you just have to accept the fact that no characters are going to learn anything throughout the entire course <laughs> right, of the whole yeah, movie. yeah, exactly. It's like, none of these characters are going to develop or learn anything about how not to step on God's toes and make monsters that want to only kill people. No, they're going to make a monster that wants to kill people and be like, how could God do this to us? It's because <laughs> you're all idiots who learn nothing. I feel like we need to get on the same page with this movie because no. you are very much in the camp of it's a bad movie and I'm very it's much in the camp movie. of yeah it's a bad movie but it kicks ass I didn't have fun I spent so much time yelling at the TV going you're all idiots like I don't know the first Jurassic World movie was just kind of like it. first of all the first Jurassic World movie had a lot of really cool shots and did, did a lot of kind of cliche things, but, like, had a lot of cool shots. But, like, the rest of it was just, like, whatever. Like, it's literally just Jurassic Park again. Like, we know. It's whatever. It's vanilla, but it's a fun time. And then this movie had so many stupid script moments and stupid plot moments that made me so mad that literally no cool dinosaur shot could make me less mad about the stupid things that just happened. I think you might You could have the to... coolest dinosaur on the planet. I would not be less mad over the fact that Blue cries at one point. <laughs> A tear drops from her eye socket. Yeah. What are you doing? I think you also might need to revisit Jurassic World, because uh, Jurassic World I is also very bad. I don't remember anything about it. Yeah, I, there's a lot of well, real bullshit in that movie. I wasn't forced to analyze Jurassic World. Yeah. I was forced to analyze this movie. Um, <laughs> and okay, I think this is a little bit later in the movie, but uh, if you ask me, the biggest missed opportunity in all of history is they make such a big deal about the fact that this new raptor they built uh, <laughs> responds this raptor on cocaine. Yeah, responds to human commands. Right, that's the whole thing. It can be trained to do things for you, and mm. they bring it out in a big fucking cage. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. Like, wouldn't so it be so this... much cooler if they just brought it out on its own and told it to stay, and everyone was like, oh, shit. It would have been super no. tense because there's this hyper-dangerous raptor in the room with them being told not to attack people. That would no, work that's... so well. No, that's the whole thing with this movie, is that, that this isn't the dinosaur that they're talking about. When they're talking about the super cruel murder dinosaur that can take instructions and be a military soldier, they're not talking about the one that we have. I guess they're that's talking true. about. They're talking about the one that they're planning on making with Blue as the mom of it. Right, but so why? So this... Because fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> like, literally? No, it's just like, we have we have the prototype, and we're showing it to get money for the thing that we're going to do, and that's why Blue is even in this whole movie. 
but then right. the movie isn't about... They even destroy the fact of that cooler, good dinosaur even being made, because they destroy the bone at the end of the movie. Literally, they're just yeah, like, we true. have this we have this shitty prototype that we made, and it's <laughs> fucking everything up, but this is the one we have. Moving on. Right. I'm well, what I'm saying is, like, if it money. were, like, fully developed, you could... I don't think it would mess anything else up in the plot, you just have to make sure that it's like, oh, it only responds to a certain person's command or something, which I would totally yeah. buy. Well, uh, the way to could... fix that would just blue just one be in the movie, and that would be fine. She doesn't need to yeah, be Yeah, no, in you the don't movie. need it to be there. Blue doesn't but, do anything well, except kill other dinosaurs. There's a ripple I effect, mean, though, because if you don't have any of the raptors in the movie, then Chris Pratt doesn't have any reason to be on the island. Yeah. Maybe that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> We yeah, have Chris maybe. Pratt. I'm trying to think what what all the fat we can trim from this movie. Um, <laughs> Chris Pratt, Chris all the Pratt Raptors. Maybe doesn't even need to be there. Um, yeah. Island's gonna blow up. They head out. Yep. Does Chris Pratt do anything particularly exciting regarding training Raptors? No. No. Yeah, you could make a reference to Chris Pratt. You could be like, oh, tight. His research. Uh, is what led to this happening. But he doesn't have to be yeah. in the movie. Yeah, you could have that whole scene with her watching the videos of him training Blue. Like, you can talk about it, but, like, Blue yeah. and Chris Pratt don't need to be in the movie. Right. This is... We should... What's... That's already a podcast. Yeah, there's a video series where you make, where where you make take, a movie. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, where they... There's one where they take bad movies and they, like, fix them, quote-unquote. That's what we're doing right now. Is which one is that? I've thought about listening to it every time I hear an advertisement for it. I don't remember. This is our podcast, though. We're not going to give free advertising. Okay. Well, I thought we were going to plug them because we thought about ripping them off, but <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I don't know what it's Thought crime. Um. Uh, what's with this movie and everybody wanting to call the police? <laughs> I didn't like, notice that. Any other movie, I would be like, yeah, you're all idiots, call the police. But this is the one movie in one situation where it's like, what the hell are the police going to do? <laughs> like, oh, they say let's punch. call the police a bunch? No, okay, so literally when the guy gets called to the grandpa, and the grandpa's like, I want you to go over there and call the police. <laughs> and then he smothers them. And then later, when they're when Chris Pratt and the redhead, they get to the castle, and they look to their left, and there's a sign that's like, town, this way. And they're like, we can go there and get the police. And just as they're about to go, they get stopped by a bunch of people with guns. It's like, what the hell are a bunch of police going to do Right. with the T-Rex? They're not going to arrest the dinosaur. What do you want them to do? They don't yeah. have a place to put it. If the paramilitary guerrilla group wasn't... Wasn't yeah. already gonna be able to take him down. What's well, okay, the local get, police force gonna do? Okay, I guess they're kind of like they'll arrest all the bad guys. And it's like that's fine, but the main problem is the <laughs> Velociraptor on cocaine that's walking around, right. and the police aren't gonna do shit about that. <laughs> um. Okay. Uh. Other thing though, the Indoraptor, the crazy raptor. Yeah. Looks fucking tight. He does look cool. I, I love. He's the, got like, weird. I don't like his weird I don't like his weird long arms though because sometimes he walks around like a dog and I don't like that. <laughs> I don't know, I thought that was kind of cool. I mean, it's cool, it just makes me uncomfortable. It's like it does what it's supposed to do, so it's good, but I don't like it. Right. Well, you know uh, what I mean? so yeah, one of the next things they have written down is kind of like what you were saying in the uh uh the lava room 
which is mm-hmm. like by the end of the movie when they're like fighting the Indoraptor, it turns into all dinosaur lives are valuable except that one. Fuck this guy. <laughs> except for you yeah. in specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it's like, I don't know, the whole argument of it is like, just because, to quote Mewtwo, uh, yeah. The circumstances of one's Hashtag birth... Hashtag clone rights. Yeah. The circumstances of one's birth aren't what defines you. It's what you do with it, blah, 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 blah. It's not the dinosaur's fault. They're a freak of nature. Um, yeah. Except uh, for this one. Yeah, but that logic should apply to this crazy raptor. There's no reason it wouldn't, except that it's more dangerous. It should dangerous. also apply to the one that you locked in the lava room. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, <laughs> I don't know. Dead. By the end of the movie, they're just like, this motherfucker's gotta die. <laughs> like, there's <Yeah>. no <laughs> other option. Um, <laughs> and, okay, uh, Captain Stottle, I don't know what that actor's name is, I just know him because he's the captain on Monk. That's why I keep calling him Captain Stottlemyre. Uh, yeah. When he gets killed, it's pretty brutal. Like, oh, yeah, it's gross. I was surprised at well, how he fucking cries, that dude. Is. Yeah. You also remember in Jurassic World where that woman gets fucking brutalized by pterodactyls? Oh, yeah. No, it's gross. The, it's bad. <laughs> they, I don't know. And that's the weird thing about this movie is that um, it's a different director and a different DP from the original one. But it's written by the same people. Uh, mm-hmm. And that that tracks <laughs> to me. Yeah. Um, the uh, sorry, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. They're pulling a Star Wars, uh, and the third movie in the trilogy is going to be directed by the first guy in the first DP again. Yeah. Uh, which is a bummer because they they were worse in my opinion. They, they didn't they didn't do a good job yeah. either. Because you know. I don't know, Jurassic World has the same level of shitty script, and it was also mediocre direction. This movie has a shitty script, but to me, I think it's directed super well, and I think it's yeah. shot really well. Um, But now I know that next year, not next year, I think it's going to be a few years, but when the third one comes out, it's yeah. going to be like, oh, we're back to the worst one? Okay, that's fine. On that same note, though, this movie has, like, no sense of tone. Like, I feel like yeah. we're jumping in between, like, haha funny and scary and fighting, like, so much. Like, that scene where they bring the raptor out and it's kind of scary and he, like, makes the decision to put it up for sale and you're supposed to be, like, in shock. And then right. that other dinosaur comes up in the elevator and starts headbutting <laughs> people. And they're, like, yeah. flying around like a bunch of... <laughs> Ragdoll. Yeah, it's in like literally the exact same scene. Remember the like the opening shots of Fellowship of the Ring where Sauron has that big mace and he's just like smacking people around. Yeah, literally, it's like that. It's like that with the Benny Hills music over it. <laughs> um. Also, by the way, Michael Giacchino did this soundtrack. Uh, not his best work. No, I don't uh, remember the soundtrack. Yeah, it's not. It's not particularly good. Um. The like uh, going back, going back it. to Captain Asshole. Where this is like the exact same emotion that I had when annoying girl stepped out of the van where he opens the cage to get the tooth. And I'm just like, you are just asking to get murked. And he does get murked. And she should have gotten murked. (laughs) But it's just like, why? I guess Uh, it's like hubris or whatever, but it's just like, it's it's a dinosaur. Why are you? I don't know. To me, it's like, this guy's, you know, had a lot of experience dealing with dinosaurs. And every other time. Because of the last two days, I guess. No, I, I wasn't he... Maybe you're right. I don't know. 
My point is, every other time you shot a dinosaur with tranquilizer darts, it yeah, stayed it tranquilized. Out the other times. Um, I, I just want to say that, like, I don't know, the clone storyline is so weird, but, like, the way that they tell you that the little girl is a clone is such a wasted opportunity. Because the yeah. guy just, like, says it. And then the dinosaur runs into the room. Right. Like, they don't find out on their own. They just have a conversation with the guy, and he's like, oh, she's a clone. Your dad made you after your what you think is your mom died. You're a clone. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no. It's like, and well, that yeah. wasn't earned at all. Yeah. Well, because they think their audience is an idiot. The whole movie is just <laughs> right, that. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I, to me, what makes this movie are the volcano sequence and this, like, haunted house sequence at the end. Uh, yeah. I think this, okay. like, genre swap is so smart for a Jurassic Park movie. Because the yeah. previous four have very, very little variation in, like, the kind of action the they deliver. Visuals. Yeah, like anything. visual language, you know? They're all on Dinosaur Island. <laughs> yeah. So if or you take it and you City. put it, like, inside a house and there's just one dinosaur that you're trying to get away from, it, like, it shakes up the whole dynamic that you're used to in a Jurassic Park movie. And I think it's yeah. just a super smart writing choice. Even if it doesn't, you know, totally land 100% of the time, like, just in theory, it's I think it's super smart. Yeah. Okay, hold on. Two things. Okay. First of all, this is kind of related with the whole scene where they're, like, in the room with all the dinosaur stuff in it. Mm-hmm. I'm so tired of this sight gag of the dinosaur hiding and fake dinosaurs. It's in every single Jurassic Park movie, and it's in this movie, like, three times, and I'm tired of it. And second of all, I think the production meeting for these movies, I feel like at one point, they all just kind of look at each other and go, okay, what's a cool place to put a dinosaur in? And then they make a movie. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What's wrong with that? <laughs> don't you want them to put dinosaurs in cool well, places? Well, it's like for Jurassic World, where they're like, what's a cool place to put a dinosaur? And they're like, Disneyland. And then they did it. And they're like, what's a cool place to put a dinosaur? And they're like, New York City. And they did it. Was a cool place to put a dinosaur. My house, and they did it, and that guy Wait, died. They don't go to New York City in Jurassic World, do they? In Jurassic World three, they go into downtown. That's the whole thing. I guess it's not New York City, but they go. Oh, into, you like, mean a Jurassic town. Park three? Yeah. We watched that and movie together. Like I have town. absolutely no memory of it. Jurassic Park three is the worst. Together? Yeah. We watched it with our friends, and it had William H Macy in it, and they kept yelling for their That's little kid's right. name. Yeah. And they stole the eggs. That's right. <laughs> I think uh, it's the second one I haven't seen then, right? That's no, the yeah, I haven't seen the second one either. That's the only one I haven't seen. Is that the yeah. one with the little black gymnastic girl in it? Um, I'm not there's familiar like, with that, so I assume yes. There's, like, that shot where she, like, revolves, like, three times around a pipe and then, like, kicks a velociraptor in the face. <laughs> Maybe I should see Jurassic Park 2. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jurassic okay, Park 3 on. was just the worst, though, because, like, I watched that oh, whole yeah. fucking movie and I literally don't remember anything about it besides that Laura Dern was in it. I remember hating everyone, and that's it. <laughs> I, and, <laughs> I remember okay. that I didn't like and, it. Like, the thing, the, like, cultural thinking about that movie is everyone's always like, oh, yeah, Jurassic Park 3 sucked, but it had the Spinosaurus in it, which was pretty tight. You know, that's, like, that what everybody really always cool. says. Yeah. I, I don't remember the Spinosaurus. <laughs> I don't remember what it did or what was cool about it, so I don't, I don't really feel like it was really that cool. Well, they go into the freaking uh, flying dinosaur room, and that's cool. Oh, yeah, that happens in the book. Misty, and they fall into a river. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that movie was bad. (laughs) Did you have another point you were gearing up towards? 
No, but I'm gonna do it now. At the end of the, at near the end of the movie, where Maisie is hiding in her bed, and there's that really cool like spinning shot of the. I think that's my favorite shot of the movie. That spinning shot where it, like goes upside down and the rain's going vertically as he's like going to the window. Oh yeah. But what that shot establishes is that this velociraptor on cocaine genetically understands how to open doors. <laughs> yeah, it has not been taught how to open doors. It just freaking knows it because it's a velociraptor. I think that we'd make this joke literally all the time, but it's the worst <laughs> line in Jurassic Park, the original movie, where they go, we're fine as long as the dress is, we're fine as long as the velociraptors don't know how to open doors. And <laughs> right. then literally the next shot is a velociraptor opening a door and it's the yeah. funniest thing on the planet. But the fact that this movie was like, he just knows how to open doors because he's a velociraptor maybe right. want to die <laughs> and so yeah like right at the end when they get saved by the velociraptor not only is it like Jurassic Park trope I'm sick of of dinosaurs attacking other dinosaurs at the last second uh, but it's it happens also, literally four times in this whole fight sequence yeah and but it's also uh, like I don't know the ra- like the raptor becomes way too human like the bedrock yep. of Jurassic Park is that raptors are hard Animals. to control and very scary but then in this movie, it's like, oh, no, we're in trouble. And Blue is like, I got you. It's all good. I'll take over Let from here. Let me literally jump out of a room as it explodes. <laughs> yeah. like a freaking action movie hero. Okay, you said that was cool, though. Was it? Yeah, it's super wishful. <laughs> um, so uh, what's the next thing I have? Uh, okay, the thing at the end... Uh, where, like, the room is filling up with poisonous gas or whatever, and they have to let them loose. Yeah. It's super contrived and not yep. particularly earned and doesn't have much to do with the rest of the movie. Yeah. However, I still think it's a cool idea. Like... It's a cool idea. The... I don't know. It's like what I was saying about the... Uh, uh, I totally just lost my train of thought. It's like I was saying about... Uh, oh, the Haunted Mansion stuff at the end. Yeah. Is that Jurassic Park is so fucking stagnant as an idea, you know? Yeah. And uh, even if it doesn't, like, 100% make sense at the end of the movie, it's still <laughs> gearing us up for a Jurassic Park movie that's not going to be dinosaurs on an island, you know? Yeah. And I think that's a smart thing to do as well. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fine, whatever. Sorry. Um, okay, well... <laughs> I've got... Are you done? Sorry. Yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> well, I... I'm gonna have a moment of silence because I just coughed, so you can cut it out. Okay. And we're back. Moment of silence. In remembrance. <laughs> moment of silence for that gross cough I did. Anyway. Uh, this movie really loses me plot-wise, as soon as they introduce the raptor on cocaine, because then you have, like, five different things going on at the same time, where you have the evil capitalist, and you have the velociraptor on cocaine, and you have the little girl who's a clone, and you have the poisonous gas that's filling up the building, and you have the family trying to get away. Like, I just don't know what anyone's trying to do anymore by the end of the movie, until you get to the scene where they're like, we could release all the dinosaurs, or we could not release all the dinosaurs. It's I don't know. It seems like it seems like a bunch of like really franticness, and then they were like, "This is what we're doing. Remember this? This we're doing it." And I was like, "Okay, well, and, what okay, about so everything else we were doing?" Right. And but this is another sequence that I really think betrays the fact that I think this was a lot more nuanced of a script originally, 
because mm-hmm. they go from them releasing the dinosaurs and they cut from there straight to Jeff Goldblum being like, here's why this is a bad thing. Here's um, why we fucked up. Yeah, so like the movie almost tries to do this a little bit in the sense that it's like it's complicated, you know? Yeah, you, but like, it's they've not the made decisions. Saying that. Yeah, but so they've made these decisions, but there are going to be consequences for these decisions that they've made, you know? Yeah, and I we're would... all fucked because the dinosaurs <laughs> are loose. Right. Um, and there's this thing about how. Sorry, let me regroup for a second. Um, okay, so there's this thing about like they set the dinosaurs loose, and yeah. it's almost like. I don't know. It makes me feel like there's a version of this where it's like, we don't know what's the right thing to do. We made this decision. Even now, we're not sure it's the right one. But it's been, it's happened. You know, it's already in the past. And from here on out, we're just going to have to deal with the consequences of this because there's nothing we can do about it now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, which is like sort of a, a piece of complexity that I think is the hallmark of a better script at some point. Um, mm-hmm. And I think originally... If you've got a, a script that's more morally balanced, I think that would work super duper well. And it would put a lot more yeah. weight on the decision that happens at the end. Um, because both sides are valid. Both choices are exactly, choice. Exactly, yeah. It becomes but a real this... dilemma for the characters because the audience is feeling that dilemma at the same time. Um, yeah, in this but, situation, it's literally just like the only option is to let the dinosaurs go because every single protagonist the entire movie has been <laughs> screaming that dinosaurs are people too. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, as an audience member, I mean, it's not what I think because I side with Jeff Goldblum in all issues. Yeah, because but, I'm a thinking human being. Yeah. Um, but I could tell, like, the obvious thing they're trying to convey is the the right thing to do is to set these dinosaurs free otherwise they'll all die you know yeah. and that makes the scene so much more boring um yeah no absolutely but uh <laughs> what i have written after they set them all loose uh is so i guess steven spielberg and jeff goldblum can both go fuck themselves yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh my god yeah. okay so wait before that, when the villain gets his comeuppance in the most cliche 80s Jurassic Park way possible. <laughs> right, yeah. Where he gets eaten and, like, torn in half or whatever, and then the dinosaur roars in front mm-hmm. of the camera again, just yep, to yep, make yep. sure that you remember that you're watching a Jurassic Park movie. But it's like, haha, that guy died. Uh, so are millions of innocent people, because you just let all the dinosaurs loose. You can't... <laughs> right, yeah. This movie has no idea what its moral is. It's yeah. like, yay, we released all the dinosaurs. That was a positive, because we told you that it was. But then we're gonna immediately show you what the consequences of that action were. And Jeff Goldblum is immediately gonna be like, we done fucked up, y'all. <laughs> right. yeah. So, so yeah, here, okay, Adeline, I want you to close yes. your eyes and imagine a scenario. Okay. Uh, your name is Colin Trevorrow, writer of Jurassic World 2. Yes. And um, you have I this script. I jump off a bridge. <laughs> <He's> got, uh, <laughs> you have this script that's this very nuanced and complicated story about the value of life and whether he, man should play God. Uh, yes. And you give it to Universal Studios and they say, okay, it needs a bad guy and he has to die at the end. I would jump off a bridge. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Um, Same answer. <laughs> I also, I really like the way that uh, Jeff Goldblum's dialogue is written. 
in this. Yeah. It's it's weird how much it still feels totally in character, even after mm-hmm. fucking 25 years. Um, oh, it's because that character is such a nihilist. Like, even from even from the beginning of Jurassic Park, he's like, hey, this is a bad idea. This yeah, is all going to sure. go bad. So um, when we're, like, 20 years later and it's all gone bad, he's like, I fucking told <laughs> right. all of you. Yeah. Um, and then the other thing, okay, my favorite shot in the whole movie is the one where there's the giant mm-hmm. sea yeah. monster under the wave. Yeah. That one's cool as hell. It gives me fucking goosebumps every time I see it. It's super cool. It doesn't do anything for the movie, but it's super cool. Right. However, though, (laughs) the thing about that is uh, that thing lives in the sea Mm -hmm. and was never captured by the billionaire, presumably. Yeah, so it's just been there the whole time. How did it get there? No, because at the beginning... They're doing that underwater thing where they're going into the water space, and he's like, I have to close oh, the gate. Where are you? They right. leave the gate open, so you're that's totally how right. it gets out. But, but there is also like, the plot hole of how did they get underwater dinosaur blood from a mosquito? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Maybe another dinosaur ate it, and it got its blood. Okay, sure. <laughs> yeah. No, but see, it's like Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's like, the plot, nothing could have happened in this movie, and that giant monster would still be in our oceans. Right, yeah. Like, he's just there no matter what. We're not getting rid of him. He's the universal constant. Yeah, literally. Like, it doesn't matter what you do in the next movie, he's still gonna be there. <laughs> like, you can round up all the other dinosaurs and put them on an island. He's just out there. Right. No, and yeah, I don't know. I think at the end of the day, the thing that I appreciate about this movie is, like, it makes me curious and interested to see what's going to happen in the next one. No other Jurassic Park movie previously has made me give half of a fuck what's going to happen in the <laughs> next one. what happens next. Um, but this one, I'm like, oh shit, like, they're doing something different, and it's going to be something, at the very least, different, different than the previous five movies. And I wonder yeah. how they're going to play it. Like, I'm really genuinely curious. I mean, I guess the final note on my notes is literally just... So there's just fucking dinos everywhere now, I guess. Yeah. And I feel like that's literally just how this movie ends. Like, there are dinosaurs everywhere. Guess we'll deal with that later. <laughs> yeah, it's Empire Strikes And back. I'm interested to see how they deal with it. It's just a really weird note to leave off on a movie. It's just like, well, we'll deal with this now. <laughs> right, yeah. No, uh, my film professor, uh, he loves... Jurassic Park is his favorite movie. Um, mm-hmm. And he always says, uh, basically, that um, Colin Trevorrow is the guy who directed Jurassic World, and he wrote, he's written both of the Jurassic World movies. Um, mm-hmm. He basically says, you know, he was this tiny little indie director, and then Universal was like, hey, do you want to do Jurassic Park? And he was <laughs> like, uh, fuck yeah. But then, like, because he was so small and didn't have any clout, basically... They were just able mm-hmm. to, like, push him around and do whatever they wanted, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. And, like, my, my film professor's, like, so mad about it. Um, mm-hmm. He always says, like, because he is, he's a film director of tiny mm-hmm. indie movies. And he says, like, there's a really real chance in my life that I could get a call one day, based on the way the film industry's going right now. I could get mm-hmm. a call and be like, hey, do you want to do Jurassic Park? Um, and I would have to be like, fuck yeah, because it's yeah. the most important thing in the world to me. But I also know that I wouldn't be able to do what I want to do, and they'd just push me around and use me as a scapegoat if the movie sucks, which it probably will. Yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Like, big... there, are, It's so interesting, like, in these huge blockbuster movies, the way that there are some of them where you can tell 
they give a director a lot of creative control, and there's somewhere you can tell that they super don't. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. It's just it's so weird how it can sort of bleed through, and you can tell sort of whether there was some turmoil behind the scenes. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any final remarks? This movie... Uh, <laughs> I don't know why this movie rubs me such the wrong way. Like, I don't know. I think it just boils down to what you think is important about a movie. And for yeah. me, I think, like, plot and story is the most important. And then that's reinforced by the visuals and the action. Like, the story and plot come first. And then that's made better by really cool visuals. Mm. So I feel like this movie, because the plot and script were so bad and weird that just, like, everything else couldn't fix it. So it's even if that volcano scene is the tightest shit, it's not tight enough to keep this whole thing right. together. And and that's the thing for me, is that I think it is at least a little bit situational. Because obviously movies that I think of as, like, really great movies work that way. Like, the plot and story come first... And any action that happens is in service of those things. That's the way Jurassic Park is. That's the way The Incredibles is. That's the way, like, Dark Knight and Logan are. Like, it's very much based around the story more than anything. But in spite of that, the action is still great and exciting at the same time. Um, Mm -hmm. I think in a movie like this, it was never going to be that. Mm -hmm. And it's not that I'm saying that is, like, a free pass. Like, I'm not saying you can just make a bad movie and claim it's a bad movie and have total immunity to criticism. Yeah. I'm just saying that, like, for me, I went into it knowing the script was probably going to suck and the the logic wasn't really going to make much of any sense. And the characters are probably going to be super annoying. But, like, Mm -hmm. it's just, I don't know, I guess it's just all about expectations. Like... Because I mean, yeah, I your bar in... was low, and my bar was at a regular place right. for a movie to be. Yeah, so this year there were three movies that I went into it being like, fuck this movie. This is going to be the worst shit in the world, and I already hate it walking in. <laughs> um, and they all ended up, I actually ended up kind of liking all three of them. And they were Ready Player mm-hmm. One, Blockers, and this movie. Uh, and, like, all three of those, like, totally exceeded my expectations. I was like, oh, shit. This isn't just Steven Spielberg jerking off for 90 minutes. This actually is pretty good. (laughs) Yeah, so I mean, that's, I guess that's just my mission statement. My expectations were low, so I really enjoyed it. And, like, obviously, if you're holding it up to the standard of the original Jurassic Park, it sucks, but, like, (laughs) I, I just don't feel like that's the standard this movie should be held to. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, totally. Um,. Hey, Adelaide, what do you like this week? Way to organically bring that up. (laughs) We were done talking about Jurassic Park. I feel like that was a good button. We're moving on to the next thing. (laughs) Speaking of older things that are now coming back. (gasps) Jurassic Park 2? No. Your thing is Jurassic (laughs) Park 2? I'm going to talk about epic rap battles of history. Oh, I was hoping you would bring this up. Yeah, because you also really like them. Yeah, because I just knew we were we've been talking about them lately, and I was like, oh, I hope yeah. Adeline brings this to the podcast. I know. So, epic rap battles of history. If you don't know what they are, which would be kind of bonkers, uh, <laughs> is they're this group on YouTube who, like, in super early two thousands, I think their first video is like two thousand eight. 
uh, does these rap battles between different characters, and it's I think their first one is like Chuck Norris versus Abraham Lincoln. No, uh, it's, sorry, I don't want to like jump in and correct you. Their very first yeah. one was John Lennon versus Bill O'Reilly. That's it, right. It fucking sucks. It's so bad. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> anyway, continue. Oh no, I'm sure. <laughs> But they do these rap battles between uh, characters, and they've just been doing it for years. Yeah. And it's kind of crazy how much they've improved, because like you said, the first one is probably super bad. <laughs> yeah. But like some of their newer ones are like freaking bops. Like They're so good, and they're just really cool. They have so much production value. Like yeah. They have two channels. One channel is where they post all these rap battles between different characters, and those ter- characters could be, like, historical figures, they could be artists, they could be, like, video game characters, they could be fantasy characters. It's just, like, any rap battle between two important characters, they will do, and they will have fun doing it. Right, like, real and or they fictional. Do, yeah, and they do all of this research about it, and, like, all of the lines are, like, all these puns, there's so many hidden meanings. Like, you can, like, go through and, like, figure out what every line means. And sometimes it might be a, j- a dick joke, but it's going to be a dick <laughs> joke inside of a pun that references where this character is from. Like, right. it's really cool. But so they have one channel that's just where the rap battles are, and then a whole second channel that's just, like, all of their behind-the-scenes production stuff. And it's so much. I mean, there's costuming, there's green screen, there's editing, there's writing, there's directing. Like, so much production value goes into these rap battles. And it's like, honestly, it's what wanted me to go into film was watching these behind the scenes <laughs> right. things of the epic rap battles of history. Because I got to see Nice Peter and Epic Lloyd writing and figuring, like, figuring things out. And then I got to see the end product and, like, all the costuming, all the work that went into it. And I was right. like, oh, this looks super cool. And it is super cool. And so that's what really got me like, oh, I want to do video production because this looks super fun. Right. And like the, to me, the other side of that is like, you know, the raps are super well thought out and like really, really Mm. clever and like constantly like super impressive at how cool the lyrics are. But like to me, the other half of the appeal of Epic Rap Battles is like that whatever actors they get to play the characters, they do all this elaborate costuming and like the people make really specific, really on point acting decisions to like emulate whoever they're trying to be. And they're Mm -hmm. all really good. You know, it's the two main guys are nice Peter and Epic Lloyd. There's a, there's a couple with key and peel. Um, there's Mm -hmm. some, there's one where they have, uh, T-Pain playing Stevie wonder and, and it's the best one. Yeah, it's uh, so good. There's all these people, whether they're like actual celebrities or just like fellow YouTube collaborators. Well, Weird Al was on one of them. Yeah, Weird Al is one of them. Uh, and coming in and doing this, but they all like across the board are so good at like embodying the characters they're trying to play. That's that's the other half mm-hmm. of the appeal to me. Yeah, the running joke is that uh, Nice Peter and Epic Lloyd can just like literally look like anybody on the planet. <laughs> right, yeah. Because it's kind of crazy. They've played so many characters between the two of them, and like the costuming is so good. They like look and have the exact same mannerisms as the both of them. Yeah. No, the I most recent probably... one. Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, you go. Uh, the most recent one is uh, Elon Musk versus Mark Zuckerberg. And just, like, the costuming and the acting in that is so fucking perfect. Like, they look so oh, much like them, and it cracks me up. And, nice uh, Peter as... Yeah. Oh, <laughs> as, my God, it's so As Mark good. Zuckerberg, like, he has his yeah. eyes all wide, and he's wearing that gray t-shirt. It's so funny. It's so good. <laughs> um, I'm... I don't know if I should put a little bit of audio or not. I don't know if I'll get in trouble for that on YouTube. Uh... 
so yeah, here's some audio from that one from uh, Mark Zuckerberg versus Elon Musk. Here's mine. I'm at the top, top boss, and I'm spitting fire like I'm hot, hot sauce. You can't speak up on Zuck. I don't even fucking blink. I'm the CEO and knowing what you think. Hey, I've been looking up your family. It gets dark. My God. Couldn't clean your daddy's laundry with a part-time Please do that. I don't even fucking. Yeah, no, that's probably what I'm Literally the best line of the entire rap. Yeah. And his like uh, vocal impression of Mark Zuckerberg is really funny too. <laughs> I'm at the top, boss. Boss. <laughs> and I'm spitting down these beats like I'm hot sauce. <laughs> it's so good. It's so good. Well, I also just have so much respect for the creators and people behind this. For first of all, they have a pretty big team, and they just went independent, which is right. crazy. Especially for YouTube people to yeah, be like, hey, like we're doing YouTube our own revenue. thing. Yeah, to be like, we're going to do our own thing and we're not going to have anyone backing us up is crazy. Yeah. And I'm very proud of them. But also, just like as artists, as making art, I have a lot of respect for them. Because I could tell they are very... It's a rap battle, but they try their hardest to be respectful of people when oh, yeah, they're writing. Sure. And then in their casting... Like, I think I remember, I, this is probably back in, like, 2015, but they had the rap battle that was Bruce Banner versus uh, Bruce... Jenner. Bruce Jenner. And I was like, I don't want to watch this one because it's going to be mean, and it's going <laughs> to be mean to transgender people, and it's going to be terrible. Right. And then I watched it, and I was so happy because, first <laughs> of all, they casted a transgender woman as Kylie Jenner, which is awesome. Yeah. And then the whole rap, even though they're making fun of each other and being rude, none of it was disrespectful or hateful. Like, yeah. you could tell it was it was a rap battle. They were right. making dick jokes and being rude, but they weren't being like, all transgender people are terrible. Like, they weren't doing stuff like that. Yeah, it's a little too Don't bad take that, that, that out one of context. was not really that good. <laughs> it wasn't that good, but, but I was very though. proud of them. Yeah, no, I feel you for sure. Yeah. And then they did, like, Thomas Jefferson versus... Uh, Oh, Douglas. Frederick Douglass. Frederick Douglass. I was going to say Douglas Adams, so I was like, that's not right. <laughs> <laughs> that's Douglas what Adams better watch his ass. Anyway, they did Thomas Jefferson versus Frederick Douglass, and that one's just, first of all, I think it's my second favorite rap they've ever done because it's just a jam. It's so good. But they also, like, totally ripped Thomas Jefferson apart for slavery, and they're like, hey... <laughs> We're going to talk about all the cool things that Thomas Jefferson did, but also lots of slavery. And Frederick <laughs> Douglass is just going to tear him a new one. Right, and that's yeah. awesome. <laughs> Maybe I'll put a little bit of audio of that one in here as yeah. well. I'll probably put the Thomas Jefferson verse because, like, I'm so done with revolutions. So I invented the swivel chair. Sound familiar? I told King George he could eat a fat pig. When it comes to declarations, I'm the first trap pig. I toppled any tyrant, so kings and pirates beware. Like, if you've got any free time, I personally would probably go backwards through Reverse them order. with the first ones first. Yeah. yeah. Because definitely, you can definitely see how they develop and get more complicated and get better throughout time. So starting with the good ones, it's kind of cool to see the process of how they get better. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And they're just really fun to listen to. They're really easy to listen to. And they're like the editing and visuals are super nice and well edited. Like they're just super good. If you've got like three minutes and you just want to watch one, like go crazy. Yeah, they've they're got all their, super good. Yeah, they've got their editing like down to a science by now. Oh, yeah, totally. 
Okay. So, Jackson, what's your thing? <laughs> My thing this week is um, I finally broke down and I got a new Super Mario Brothers... Uh, Wii U fuck. for the Switch. There's so many goddamn adjectives in the name of that game. I can't remember <laughs> what they are. Hold on. I have to look at the box. <laughs> Wrestling sense. Okay. <laughs> The game is called New Super Mario Bros. U Deluxe, uh, which is the worst. <laughs> but um, it's just—it's a port of a game for the Wii U uh, on the Switch, which is mm-hmm. the newest in just the like standard Mario 2D side-scroller level-based video game. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just—it's super fun. Like it's hard, but yeah. it's not like frustrating. And it, like, is breezy enough that I could just sit down and play it for, like, 20 minutes and beat a level or two as I'm, you know, getting ready to do something else or whatever. Um, Mm -hmm. And I don't know. I just think it's super fun and creative. Like, they do a really great job of every single level feels different. Um, Like, if you think back to, like, Super Mario Bros. 3, it's, like, the... Every world has, like, this theme and, like, this set of enemies that it uses... Uh, and, you know, there's probably, like, five or six levels in that world that are all, all using, like, more or less the same ideas in different ways and in cool mm-hmm. ways, obviously, but it's very, you know, kind of static in, in the terms of that world. But this game, like, somehow finds a way to find, like, a new gimmick for every single level in it. And, That's cool. Yeah, it's just absolutely wild playing through it, like, all the different design elements that they choose to put into, like, every mm-hmm. single level in the game. Like, there's so much thought and care put into it. Um, yeah. It is... See, I personally... Oh, go ahead. Personally, side-scrollers are not my favorite thing in the world, precisely for that reason, is that I feel like they get really stagnant really quick. It's like, new worlds are new worlds, and they have different designs and different... Uh, things that you're using, like, oh, Ice World's gonna be pretty and glittery and have slidey blocks, but, like, there's 20 levels of that, and then after those 20 levels, then you get something new, but there's nothing new in those 20 levels. Right. So to have something that's constantly throwing new things at you, I feel like it would be really hard to get bored. Because mm-hmm. for me, side-scrollers tend to get really boring really fast. Right. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, there's a little bit of sort of criticism of this game, because it's a port of a super old game. It was one of the launch titles on the Wii yeah. U, and they're still selling it for $60 on the Switch, which is usually the kind of thing that rubs me the wrong way, but I don't know, I didn't buy it on the Wii U, so I don't mind spending the full price once, yeah. you know? Like, I loved Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze, um, but I bought it yeah, on... Yeah, $60 on it again. Yeah, exactly, I bought it on the Wii U. That worth $120. I, 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 yeah, I don't want to buy it a second time. I'm more willing to buy it if I didn't buy it the first time, though. Um, I bought Overwatch twice, and I think that's probably the worst fiscal decision I've ever made. <laughs> Well, because I had to, I bought on the PlayStation because screw you, I have a PlayStation and it's the graphics are super nice on my TV. But then all my friends had it on the PC, so I was like, okay, I'll buy Overwatch again on the PC so that I can actually like play with my friends. Right. And the graphics are terrible because I don't have a good PC, <laughs> and it was just a bad financial decision. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, and you know, sorry. What's cool about it also is that. Like, it's got a lot of content in it. So there's, like, the Mm -hmm. whole eight worlds of the regular sort of campaign that were, like, on the original launch title. 
But then there's also the, like, DLC expansion of new Super Luigi U Deluxe Supreme. Oh, yeah. Uh, also on it. Uh, which is like a whole nother like 120 levels. It's like a full campaign. It's like a whole nother game built into it, you know? Um, yeah. And there is a little bit of a trade-off. The Luigi levels are all pretty short levels. Um, yeah. And the timer is only like 100 seconds, so you're trying to get through them kind of fast. It's like a different sort of gimmick. But yeah. it doesn't change the fact that that's still like a bananas amount of levels to put into a game, yeah. you know? Um and there's on top of that there's like a whole bunch of bonus levels and secret coin unlockables and like I can totally see myself playing this game for like months before I get sick of it because there's just so much that <laughs> I can do. The rest of my life. Yeah. Um, and uh, hey, Adeline. Yeah. Do you want to have a conversation about um, the Peachette? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> do you want me to? Okay. So Peachette was the thing is that Nintendo was like, okay, we've got these two female characters. We got Peach and we got Toadette. And in old Mario games, you would play as Princess Peach. And when Princess Peach got hurt, you would turn into this weird little short Princess Peach. And it was weird for everyone. <laughs> and so we're like, okay, we'll just have it so when you're Princess Peach and you get hurt, you turn into Toadette, because Toadette's short. But then they were like, well, how the fuck does that work? And they were like, okay, it's not Peach, it's it's Toadette as a princess, which is Princess Peach in a costume. We'll call her Toadette, and if Toadette touches a crown instead of a mushroom, she turns into Toadette, which is just Princess Peach. And it's like, okay. You mean Peachette. But before... Peachette, sorry. But before the game came out, people were like, well, hold on. <laughs> if someone else grabs that crown, do they turn into Marioette and Luigiette? And specifically Bowsette? <laughs> and Nintendo went, absolutely not. <laughs> but every porn artist on the planet went, absolutely yes. And so there was this huge phenomenon of Drowsy Bowser as a sexy princess that just, like, totally infected the whole internet. And a good thing that came out of it came a bunch, a lot of really cute art of different villains and stuff as, like, cute princesses, and that was great. But then you had all the sexual stuff, which is just gross and bad. I don't have much of a problem with the whole Peachette thing. Like, it's weird, and I don't really understand it, but it, I don't know. The last Mario game had Cat Bowser as the final boss, so yeah. I could put Dude, up with it. freaking Cat Bowser. Okay, <laughs> um, can we stop? Can Nintendo stop weirdly <laughs> just doing weird stuff with Bowser? Every time they do it, it's bad. We got Bowser dressed as the cat. We got Bowser in a wedding outfit. How many weird kind of weird outfits can we could put Bowser in. Can we just stop? <laughs> and, uh, because you're just asking for trouble every time you do it. My uh, Yeah, so my only real beef with the game is, mm-hmm. um, in the original version, you had four characters. You had Mario, Luigi, and two little toads. A yellow toad and a blue toad. Um, yeah. You could play four players with those four characters. However, yeah. in this game, they decided that they were going to add uh, Toadette, which is, like, an easier version. Like, the controls are snappier, and she can jump higher, and it's, like, it's an easier version of the game. Um, yeah. And they added Nabbit, who's this little purple guy, who, like, is super easy piss baby mode, where you, like, <laughs> can't be damaged by enemies. It can jump super far and run super fast. And you basically just, like, 
blast through the level with no consequences at all. Um, yeah. Which, you know, is fine for babies. <laughs> but like, for piss babies, yeah. Um, but the thing I don't like is that you can't play four players with all four players being regular characters. One. That's true. Yeah. Someone has to be the piss baby. Mm-hmm. One person has to be either Toadette or Navit, which I think is just. And I will dumb. happily be Toadette, but. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I, it's just a weird decision. I don't know why they would make it like that. I feel like it's just a, a weird mm-hmm. design decision. Um, but. Yeah, I don't know. And I just want to point out also that, like, now that the Switch has Smash Brothers, Mario Kart, um, four-player Super Mario, and Mario Party, like, it's just a fucking party machine right now, my man. Like, yeah. I'm so excited about the fact that I could just take this anywhere and have something to do with people no matter who I'm with. Yeah. Well, I got a Switch for Christmas, and I got some games for it. I only have, like, three games on it right now. I have Sonic Forces, thanks Jackson, <laughs> uh, Katamari Damacy Reroll, and then I have, uh, I can always forget the name of it, what is it? Grim Fiasco? Yeah, Grim Fandango. Fandango. Wait, is that it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Grim Fandango. Okay. And those are all great, but they're also all single player, and I've beat two of them, and every time I play Grim Fandango, I literally have to have a walkthrough open, <laughs> so I just have, like, nothing to play on my Switch right now. Which is just a personal problem of mine, but (laughs) I thought I would talk about it. (laughs) I just want Animal Crossing for the Switch now. It's coming soon enough. I know. That puppet YouTuber that you really like that does game stuff, I watched his video, and he thinks that it's going to be a summer release. Yeah. And I don't want it to be a summer release because I want it now. (laughs) It's not going to be any (laughs) earlier than that. I know. (laughs) I want it. Uh... Okay, this is not relevant, but I just want to talk about it. Have you heard the cool. Metroid news? What is it? Okay, so a little while ago at E3, um, Nintendo was like, oh, hey, coming out for the Switch soon uh, is Metroid Prime 4. I've never been like a big Metroid fan, but it's like a huge deal to a certain segment of the population. It's like this game that people have been waiting for forever. Um, yeah. And it, people were super, super psyched about it. And then at E3, they just showed this logo. It was like Metroid Prime 4 and like a little bit of dramatic music. It was like, you know, it's coming. You know, this is a thing that's happening soon on the yeah. Switch. We're doing it. Um, and then we heard absolutely nothing about it for a year and a half. <laughs> and then Nintendo had a press release a few weeks ago where they were like, hey, um, we're just going to level with you guys. We were working on Metroid Prime 4. Um, and we kind of took a look, a hard look at ourselves, and we realized it sucked. So we're scrapping <laughs> everything and starting over. I mean, okay, I'm and, actually <laughs> super happy that they're doing. Yeah, that. I mean, it's it's sort of bittersweet news because you know a lot of people are very excited about it and they have to wait longer now. But it's like I'm really glad they were so upfront about it. Like that's kind of yeah. refreshing. <laughs> No, no video game that has ever been rushed has ever been a good video game. Yeah, it's for sure. never happened. Like, look at Sonic Boom. Learn from their mistakes. No rushed video game has <laughs> ever been a good video game. Right, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess that's all I have to say about both Super Mario Bros. You new Supreme uh, good <laughs> version. And also Metroid With Prime Luigi. 4. Um, yeah. So, uh, hey, give me just a second while I look for a five-star review, because I will never remember to do that before 
the podcast starts. Because <laughs> someone forgot about it. Okay, I found a really, really good one. <laughs> okay, cool. Okay. So, um, Adeline, would you like to hear a five-star review of Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom? I would love to. Um, Graziel Sapienza on Letterboxd.com says, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom is another new sequency to the Jurassic Park story. Here, the reborn dinosaurs are in risk of extinction again, and Claire and Owen (laughs) tries everything to save them from their final ending. On this sequency, one of the originals explores from Jurassic Park talks about how humans get discontrolled about their ambition. Our seek of power dooming us to our own extinction. That's okay. that's the whole review. Great. <laughs> they got it. They just they really captured everything it's all about how humans get discontrolled about their ambition. It's the yeah. best Jurassic Park sequence to date. My name is Jackson McMurray. My name is Alan McMurray. And this has been No Nerds Allowed. Did Jeff Goldblum go fuck himself? (laughs) Jeff Goldberg and Steven Spielberg can go fuck themselves, man.